We are going to be uh, starting a series that I really uh, never saw coming uh, as I was as I was thinking about um, you know things and what we would what we would be doing what we would be looking at. We're going to go through the uh, book of Ecclesiastes. I'm sure that was high on your list of of um, of books you wanted to look at. I'd encourage you over the next, uh, I'm hoping to do this in 10 weeks, and I'd encourage you to, over the next 10 weeks, um, read through it a few times. Take you about a half hour. 12 chapters, is that right? 222 verses. Hmm? Oh, come on, take my word for that one. Uh, we're going to look at it in larger sections. My goal, my hope today is to get through um, the first 11 verses. But we're going to, you know, so we will be taking this in, in bigger chunks. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into it a little bit. Father, thank you for your word, even those parts that we look at sometimes and scratch our head about. Um, you weren't confused when you had it uh, recorded for us. You weren't confused as to how it applies to our life now. When we look at it, sometimes we are confused. We pray that you would uh, help us to see not only your truth in your word, we want to see you in your word. We need to see ourselves in light of your word. So as we get into, into this book that sometimes is one of those we might shake our head at a little bit, um, help us to see all those things. And more. You know what's going on in the life of every person here. I don't. I never could. Uh, And Father, even in the things we do know about one another, we have some that we keep well hidden, and we have some that we even get surprised about every once in a while. So as we go through this uh, book, this passage today even, um, touch lives as you know we need, we pray, with thanks. In Christ's name, amen. So we're going to be in Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, first 11 verses. You're using a pew Bible. It's on page 607. You probably don't turn there very often. Um, you know, there is this one book that will really help you. It's called the Table of Contents. Just a thought. Just, just a thought. I've enjoyed studying this book. I've been, I've been looking and reading and studying some things on it for weeks now, actually. And I have, I've really enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. It can come across as kind of a downer if you just sit down and read through it, and, and uh, particularly if you're not uh, really paying, paying attention. Uh, but I think, I hope, you'll find it quite enlightening as we, as we look at it. Uh, one of the books that has really helped me, one of the uh, commentaries, uh, it's really a, ser- a, a collection of sermons, I think, um, on that. It's a book called Living Life Backwards by David Gibson. He, uh, I, I like the uh, approach he has to it. And uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, he took it in, in 10 chunks, and that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to uh, take the breakdowns that he had in there anyway. Um, you know, so I, I've been certainly been. Um, Influenced, if you will, by some of the things he said as he's opened up this book, um, you know, and 
I just want to get that out there right up front. You know, don't. If you ever think that I say anything original, yeah, it's probably. If it's something stupid, then then it was probably original with me. If it's something that seems to make sense, I probably read it or saw it or heard it somewhere else. And just I'm just the guy sharing it with you. Um, so uh, let's follow. If we follow along, verse one, Ecclesiastes chapter one, right there in the beginning. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. What does a person gain for all his efforts as he labors under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets. Panting, it hurries back to the place where it rises. Gusting to the south, turning to the north, turning, turning goes the wind, and the wind returns to its cycles. All streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. The eye is not satisfied by seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Can one say about anything, look, this is new. It has already existed in ages long before us. There is no remembrance of those who came before and those who will come after. There will also be no remembrance by those who follow them. What a cheery passage, huh? I'm telling you. Uh, it is. It's a, um, now, here, we're told that these are words of the teacher, of some translations say of the preacher. It's the leader of the assembly is what it's talked about. It's interesting because literally that word means collector of sentences. Um, but it was used you know, as collector of sentences. Like I told you, that's all I'm sharing with you are all the sentences I've collected. Uh, but uh, you know, the, uh, uh, that was a word that was used for the leader of the congregation, the leader of the assembly. That's the word that they, that they used for it. He tells us here that, it's, that he's a son of David, king of Jerusalem. It seems like it was Solomon who put this together. Uh, there certainly, as with anything else, you know, there's some argument as to whether it was actually Solomon or not. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, technical details which you probably don't really care about. Uh, but one of the things I want you to understand with this, like the rest of Scripture, this is the Word of God. You know, it is, it is you know, the Word of God given through man. That's what Scripture is. It's you know, it's from God. It's through man, and certainly God uses their personalities and and things at different times. You can see that very clearly, not only in the Old Testament. You can see it even all the way through the New Testament. But don't ever forget, it's the Word of God, and that's what we have here. Uh, and, and the preacher, he's kind of bold, even a bit brash, or as I like to say, he's clear. You know, he just. Lay some things out there. You know, and he's real clear. Uh, he addresses things we don't like to face, addresses things we don't like to deal with, uh, but you know, he brings them up and we'll be bringing them up in the weeks to come. Uh, you know, w- there's things we know, they, they are things that we know that are there. We simply choose to ignore them. You know, we simply choose not to pay attention to them because that's how we cope. That's how we get through. That's how we get through the day by by not paying attention to these things. You see, because we all know the reality is when you go shopping, you can't, you know, you just can't buy everything that you want. You know, life just doesn't work that way. 
You know, and at the hospital, the reality is people are in pain, and doctors can't make everything. Doctors can't make everything well again. You know, the reality is that sometimes trying to make amends with someone may be the hardest thing you've ever done. You know, and the reality is that some heartaches take a very long time to heal. And some may never be healed here on this earth. And those are the realities that we sometimes don't like to face. And so we ignore them. Living gets messy. You know, it's, when we get into life, it gets messy, and the realities are, of life sometimes are extremely hard to face. There are things that not only we don't want to face, you know, we don't even know sometimes how we're going to get through them. And what we have here in Ecclesiastes is in very clear and very bold language. He begins to lay things out. And he does that. He starts right there in, in verse 2 you know, with the theme of his book right there at the beginning. And this stretches, this theme stretches through the entire book. He says, absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. Ever had a day like that? A week like that? Maybe a year like that? You'll be doing your taxes soon. You may feel like that. Some translations say vanity. You know that vanity, vanities, or, or meaningless. Everything is meaningless. The word that is translated here, futility or vanity or meaningless, that word is used 42 times in this book. That's an average of every five and a quarter verses. This is a, a, a main theme of what comes across there. And I, I think under, you know, understanding th- this word is really one of the keys to understanding the whole book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, it, it, the, translating the word as meaningless, as some translations are, it's actually a bit misleading for us to translate that as meaningless because uh, sometimes we think of meaningless as pointless you know, we think, uh, you know, we, we, we think of it as, is it, you know, there's no meaning to it. And that's not at all, that's not at all what the, the teacher is trying to bring across here. That's not what God is trying to make across here. The Hebrew word means, that's not it. Oh, I, I should have put that up before. Fill in your first blank. I should have put this up. Apparently I missed it. And I'm the one who does these things. Yep, there it was. Um, sorry. You know, but but the, the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word, you know, translated uh, meaningless uh, um, or or vanity or uh, you know the uh, futility uh, that he has here. That Hebrew word means vapor or breath. That's that's what the word means. And what what's going here is, you know, the teacher is saying that everything is a vapor, everything is a breath. Everything is a puff of smoke. He's not saying that it that it has no value. He is not saying he is not saying that you know that there is no meaning to it at all. That's not what he's saying. You know, he's talking about it being a vapor or, or a breath. He's not saying that it's not real. What he's telling us is it won't last. He's telling us it is all temporary. 
It's a common theme. It's a common theme in Scripture throughout the, throughout the Bible. Psalm 39, verse 5. You indeed have made my days short in length, and my lifespan as nothing in your sight. Yes, every mortal man is only a vapor. Same word. Psalm 39, verse 11. You discipline a man with punishment for sin, consuming like a moth what is precious to him. Every man is only a vapor. Psalm 62. Men are only a vapor. Exalted men in illusion. Weight in the scales, they go up. Together they are less than a vapor. Psalm 144. Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. In all of these, in all of these you have that, that same Hebrew word. Now, in the New Testament, though, the theme still carries over. Now that it's Greek, it's not Hebrew, so it's you know, a different word. But the theme is there. James says, you know, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The Amplified Bible, I, 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 that's one of, the, one of them that I use when, I, when I'm studying for a sermon. And I like the way they translate it. Um, it says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanities of vanities. All that is done without God's guidance is vanity. Futile. Meaningless. A wisp of smoke. A vapor that vanishes. Merely chasing the wind. Let me picture this for you. Now pay attention or you're going to miss it. Just smoke that's there for a while. We wouldn't say it doesn't exist. We wouldn't say it doesn't exist because we can see it, we can smell it, and we know it's there. And then it's gone. This is the picture of what he's telling us, you know, of what he's telling us of what is about there is, you know, there is no permanent impact, no lasting impression, and it's gone. You know, it, time goes quickly. Ecclesiastes, in many ways, is a meditation on what it means to live our life here as a breath, what it means to live our life here as, as a vapor, as a puff of smoke. It's an observation of how life seems to elude our grasp. We continually try to gain control of it. But just like the smoke, we can't grasp it. We can't get a hold of it. We can't control it. And it's gone. This is what he is telling us here. That it all too easily slips our grasp. Psalm 103 says, As for a man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower in the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes. And its place is no longer known. We know that what Ecclesiastes says is true, yet every day we pretend that it isn't. We live as though it's not. You know, we pretend that we are in control. 
we we live as you know we we live and and act as if we're made of granite rather than the dust that we return to. I, I didn't put this in your in your outline, but mark mark down uh, Psalm ninety. I'm just going to read you part of it. Psalm ninety verses uh, three through six. All right, Psalm ninety three through six this is what it says. You return mankind back to dust, saying, Return, descendants of Adam. For in your sight, a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours in the night. You and their lives, they sleep. They are like grass that grows in the morning. In the morning, it sprouts and grows. By evening, it withers and dries up. Scripture is clear over and over again of the brevity of life and we talk about it and we say it and then we ignore it. And we ignore it in our living. And Ecclesiastes confronts us with the reality of this and seeks to wake us up. Seeks to have us understand what he is saying. And he slaps us right in the face with verse 3. Look at verse 3. What does a person gain for all of his efforts that he labors at under the sun? Everything that follows, verses 4 through 11, everything that follows there answers this question. You know, he, he unfolds and opens it up and answers this question. Ecclesiastes is, in, is, is one of the books that we, in the category, we refer to as wisdom literature. Now, we refer to this as wisdom literature. You know, Solomon didn't write down and said, well, you know, I think I'm going to write one of the books in the wisdom literature category. That's, you know, that, that's, not, that's not how it is. That's just how we classify it. It helps us to understand. It helps us to categorize a little more. Uh, Job, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, those are all also, all of those are also considered wisdom literature. You get sometimes, sometimes just very short, uh, very direct sometimes statements, uh, things that you know c- can be can be grasped in, in smaller chunks, and what they what they do is they address what it means to live for the Lord in this world that the Lord made, remembering that it is God who made this this earth and how we live there. And Ecclesiastes shows us what it means to live in a world that God made and called good, and yet which has gone astray very often in very catastrophic ways. Think of some of what you see on the news now. We hear about, we hear about the wars going on in Israel and Gaza. We hear about uh, about uh, Russia, you know, Russia and and the war. That we we don't hear about some of the genocide going on in many of the African countries, and even some places in in Asia. And we don't hear about those. But you know, we don't even need to go that far. You know how many people have been shot in Fort Wayne already this year? See, we don't have to we don't have to look around at 
uh, you know, wars and things going on to realize that, that the world God created as good has gone astray in some very catastrophic ways. Someone I know posted on Facebook, if somebody came back, I forget what year they said, you know, like from a hundred years ago or whatever, uh, what, would, what do you think they would be surprised by in the world now? <laughs> I'm kind of a Facebook um, stalker. I don't usually say much. I read your stuff. Not out of scare some of you. Um, yeah, but I don't often say much. But he said, you know, what, what do you think somebody from 100 years ago, if they came back, would think of what's uh, now? What would they be surprised by? And I wrote, typed in an answer, and I said, I think they would be surprised on how crazy we have all gone. Did you ever think, well, I never did. Some of you have grown up with this. that men and women would fight for the right to kill their child? Did you ever think that we would that there would be people that thought it was a good idea to help people commit suicide? and take their own life? We live in a world that God created and God created as good. And to say they've gone off the deep end is a polite statement. Ecclesiastes brings some of that to bear. How do we make sense of life in this world? Can we make sense of life in this world? And wisdom literature focuses us and forces us to look at life from a different angle. And this is what we see beginning to unfold here. The question in verse 3, what does a person gain for all the effort he labors at under the sun? The implied answer is nothing. That he gains nothing from all of that time under the sun. Even after a life of hard work and and putting in all that time, and even after a life of hard work, what you gain is nothing. Understand what that word gain means. The word translated gain here means having something left at the end. It's a word they used for profit. What profit is there for all the labor that is put in? When you get to the end, what he's saying is, you know, when we get to the end, the answer to that is nothing. I don't want to break your heart or anything, but you know, we need to begin to look at life from a different angle. Because at the end of life, when we step into eternity, everything we've done here and everything we've accumulated here adds absolutely nothing to us when we step into eternity. 
you know, Barb passed away, and you know, we went over and started cleaning out her stuff. She didn't have much. But it's all still there. And she left this earth with the same thing that Rockefeller left with. Nothing. When he says, what does it gain? You know, what, what profit? I should have put that up for you. There it is, gain. Something left over at the end. Uh, you know, you, you, you know that when even from a life of hard work, what, you know, what we gain has no residual profit. There's nothing in a lasting sense, nothing that adds value to you as the end, nothing that makes you more valuable than anyone else. When we step into eternity, you're leaving everything behind. And you know what? I don't want to hurt your feelings, but the world is going to carry on just fine without you. This is what he's telling us here. Everything is just a breath. A fleeting, quickly dissipating breath. Look again at verse 4, 4 through 10. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets. Panting, it hurries back to the place where it rises. Gusting to the south, turning to the north, turning, turning goes the wind, and the wind returns in its cycles. All the streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams flow again, there they flow again. All things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. The eye is not satisfied by seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Can anyone say about anything, look, this is new. It has already existed in the ages before us. What he's telling us here is the world is cyclical. You know, that it, that it goes on, you know, and, and life is cyclical as well. You know, the last few days, I am really looking forward to spring, aren't you? Aren't you looking forward to spring? Again. It's cyclical. Spring is what we looked forward to last year and the year before that. And the year before that. And 30 years after I'm gone, my grandchildren will still be looking forward to spring. And this is what he's telling us here. You know, it goes on and, and, and it continues and it continues. You know, and, and he's, he's telling us, you know, he said that the, the I, I like that picture. The waters continue to pour into the sea without ever filling them. Do you ever think about that? And all the, all the waters are pouring out of the Mississippi River, out of the Amazon, out of, you know, all these, and they're all pouring into the ocean. And it, there it is. After all these years, shouldn't we all be about under 30 feet of water by now? He's giving us a picture here of constant motion without any lasting satisfaction. 
this constant motion with no lasting satisfaction. And he's saying you need to understand not only the, the you know, the, 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 well, he's going to get into the goal of life here. You know, he's talking about, you know, what's going on. The things of this world continue to pour into humans. They can, that was interesting. They continue to pour you know, in, into humans uh, you know, through our eyes, through our ears. It comes back out through our mouth. Yet we never reach a point of complete satisfaction. We never reach that point of being completely satisfied. We never reach the point where we think we have seen all that there is to see. Now we've used that phrase sometime. Now I've seen everything. But we know we haven't. You know, we know we, we, know we haven't. We never get to the place where we feel that we have heard all that there is to hear. That there's nothing left to hear. And unfortunately for us, we also get to the place where we never feel that we've said everything that needs to be said. This is what he's saying in those verses there. He sums it up in verse 9. He says, What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Now, he doesn't mean here that nothing new is ever invented. That's not what he's saying here. He means that there is nothing new under the sun to break this repetitive cycle that goes on in the world, that goes on in the earth, that goes on in our life. And there is nothing new under the sun that is going to break that cycle where you are finally going to feel that you are satisfied by all that you have seen and all that you have heard and all that you have. And he's saying that there is nothing there that is going to break that cycle for you. You are never going to feel that you have had your your fill of life. No matter how hard you work, the world will continue that cycle as if you never existed. Just as it did before you came and will continue after you go. You are just a breath that soon passes on and will soon be forgotten. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Now, don't stop listening, because you know what, what, what I've been what I've been saying here is not meant to depress you. That's not the point, and that is not the point of Ecclesiastes. The point of it is not to depress you. The point is to help you to look at life from a new perspective to begin to look at life under the sun, knowing that it is not useless, but it is temporary. It's not useless, but it is temporary. This is what he's getting at. You know, this is not, you know, this is not, not a call to abandon or to give up. This is a call to focus on on a true perspective. When he says under the sun, he wants us to realize that things under the sun, everything that's on, on, on earth, that this is not all there is. And knowing Christ Jesus as our Savior, you know, should bring a whole new angle on what it means to live. Ecclesiastes will point us in a new direction. You know, this life is certainly not without value. 
That is not what he's saying. He's not saying that we don't have value. It is not without value. It's, it's what we need to understand is what we gain on this earth is not the ultimate value. We, don't, we shouldn't be chasing it like it is. We need to stop living like this earth and the things of this earth is the ultimate value and we need to stop living like that. What we see in these first 11 verses is not the perspective of someone who lives their life without Christ. That's how some of the commentators and some people have approached this, that these first 11 verses are talking about those who don't know Christ as their Savior. These first 11 verses are what it is like for everyone. We all live under the sun. We all exist there. This side of eternity is just a breath. Life is a breath. Having a relationship with Christ does not stop that from being true. That life here on this earth is only a breath. The main argument of the book here, you know, is is only grasping only when we begin to grasp the free the fleeting nature of life. That is what will teach us how to live. That we can, when we can grasp a hold of how fleeting life is, when we grasp a hold of that, when we understand that, then we can begin to really live. We, we can understand more. You know, since we won't live forever here on this earth, since we won't be living here forever, how then should we live? How should we be living in light of the reality that life is a vapor? The rest of Ecclesiastes is going to answer that question for us. So when you look in a mirror, you know, when you, when you stand and look in a mirror, know that you are simply looking at smoke. You are simply looking at a vapor. You are straightening out the hair of a breath that will soon be gone. You are brushing the teeth and washing the face of smoke and vapor. Grasp a hold of the reality. You know, let's stop pretending. Let's stop pretending that these things that we grasp for and the things that we're looking for, let's stop pretending that they will, you know, th- that they will bring significance. Let's stop pretending that they will actually satisfy us. They are simply part of that ongoing cycle. We long, we long for change in a world of permanent repetition. And we long for permanence in a world of constant change that is not meant to be permanent. We try to control a world that's not meant to be controlled by us. And this is what he's talking about as he goes through Ecclesiastes. He pushes us to stop pretending and to adopt a better way of thinking. To stop pretending and adopt a better way of living. Life is just a breath. But it does not mean it's not worth the effort of living. 
It means we need to adjust our perspective that drives our living. We're going to unpack more of this in the weeks to come. Let me pray and the uh, music team is going to come back up and lead us in Be Unto Your Name. So, Caleb, you need to re-rack the song Be Unto Your Name there. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for life. And while we don't always get it and we don't always understand it, help us to understand what You have what, what you have laid out for us and what you have given us and knowing that it is not a permanent thing. We are not a permanent thing. But Father, to you we want to live our life for you. We want to, we want to live with that new perspective that this life is not all there is. We want to do more than say it. We want that to direct our living. Help us to grasp that as we continue on through this book and continue on through our days, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.